Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. I have a special guest today that you're going to be excited to hear from. His name is Rich Logis, and he is a former MAGA. I can, I can speak. I can bitty, bitty, bitty. He is a former MAGA man. <laughs> he is the founder of Leaving MAGA. And basically what he's trying to do is empower other disillusioned MAGA supporters to leave the movement. So welcome, Rich. Very nice to meet you. Thank uh, you. Thank you. Met through Twitter. And so we, we do not know each other. And so this is all going to be new information for me as well. Um, so I'm excited to, to hear what you have to say and how this all came about. Um, so yeah, tell me about yourself. Were you, were you a lifelong Republican? Well, thank you first off for having me on. This is one of the, I would say, real great benefits of amongst others of having left MAGA is meeting content creators and thinkers and researchers whom I probably would have never met. And truthfully, if I'd met Eugenia when I was in MAGA, I would have said that you were part of the, you were on the, you were on the <laughs> enemy side mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, an another, another liberal with the Democrats and the rhinos, Republicans and name only and globalists. I'm a, Ch so I'm a Chinese the, deep state plant. Right. You know, you're, you're no. just, you know, you're undercover you're fed. <laughs> right. You're with the New York Times. You know, you're probably a mole with the Washington Post. That's yeah. that's real. I'll get into a little bit of details on yeah. how I how and why I thought that way. And yeah. I actually was I was not a Republican or Democrat before Trump. Uh, mm -hmm. In fact, I was starting in my college days. I graduated in the year 2000 uh, at a university in New York. It's where I'm from. My first vote in a presidential election was at 23 years old for Ralph Nader. Oh. And, and there were a variety of reasons I was attracted to his campaign. But one of the reasons I gravitated to the Nader campaign was because I figured out pretty quickly that both parties didn't like him. Mm -hmm. Now, it's true that the Democratic Party disliked him more than the Republican Party, but his, his independence and the maverick and rogue qualities, figuring out that both parties did not like him and disfavored his his candidacy, I I was in. You know, I thought, okay, well, this is a person I want to I want to hear because if both parties don't like him, then there's something. There must be something there. Right. And I knew that voting for Nader in the in New York with the Electoral College wouldn't matter, but I still very proudly cast my vote for Ralph Nader. Mm -hmm. So over the course of 15 years, where I, I developed more and more increasingly between 2000 and 2015, a, 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 tr a really unhealthy and unreasonable loathing of the two-party system. Mm -hmm. I thought that they were the same. I thought they were really two sides of the same coin. I felt like they only looked out for a very, very select few uh, within the American electorate, and everyone else was just forced between voting for these lesser of two evils. And that was really, th those were some of my sensibilities were developed in college and, and then going throughout the, the next decade and a half. It brings us to 2015. And for most people, they probably don't remember this until they're reminded. Before Trump came on the scene, we'll remember that the expected 2016 election was going to be Jeb Bush and Hillary Clinton. Right, right. So here I am as this virulent anti-two-party system guy even those I knew, Gina, who were not at all political, even they commented to me and said, another Bush and another Clinton, right? Yeah. We, we fought, we, we, we gained our independence from the crown in the American Revolution. We were against political dynasties and monarchies. Mm -hmm. So even those who were apolitical said that. So imagine in my case, 
where I'm not really saying this as a defense, but with the Trump campaign, when he came along, I wasn't the escalator early supporter, but I was pretty early on because he would make some comments about outsourcing. He would mm -hmm. make some comments about people feeling unseen, unheard and unrecognized by especially Washington, D.C. And I found mm -hmm. myself nodding along and I said, you know, that's true. And that's true. And I agree with mm -hmm. that. And then something else I figured out about him, just like Ralph Nader, was that both parties didn't like him. Yeah. And uh, now, unlike Nader, I, I think both parties equally dislike Trump. So when I found myself nodding along and I figured that out, I very quickly established my support for Trump. And the reason I, I did wasn't so much what he was saying in his campaign announcement speech, but I, I as this very anti-two-party guy, looked at Trump as somebody who was going to come in and take a sledgehammer and a flamethrower to the system. Yeah. And he was anti-establishment. I know he ran as a Republican, but I, I, I felt or like he, he said he said he was anti-establishment. <laughs> well, we, we and, and as we and as we now know, he was anything but. Right. And I don't right. and I don't think, Gina, you know, I again, I don't say this in, in any way as, uh, to, to defend my position at the time, because I always like to say that no one coerced me. No one coaxed me in, into support for Trump and MAGA. Mm -hmm. But when I when I decide when I started to support his campaign, I didn't support it as a let me hold my nose and vote for him. I was around others who felt very strongly in support of the Trump campaign. They were very anti Democratic Party, very anti Hillary. Mm -hmm. And while I don't say this as a as a defense, I think supporting Trump originally for this feeling of, yes, we need this, we need someone to come in and, and in a monumental epic way start to change Washington. I think that was a, a relatively anodyne reason, not controversial right. for, 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 for deciding to support Trump. And I was around others um, whom I allowed, and I say again, I emphasize allowed, I allowed them to, to influence me in such a way that it wasn't just we disagree with the Democrats on policy, substance, and style. I was around mm -hmm. others who were saying, that Hillary Clinton and the Democratic Party posed an existential threat to the country and that Trump was the only way that we were going to stop that from happening. And mm -hmm. so it seems illogical, and I understand why some people are going to hear this and think, okay, how did, how did Rich go from this anti-two-party guy, <laughs> I was political but very ignorant, to this, to this really rapid digging into the rabbit hole with the Trump and MAGA campaign. And it, it was, for me, it was a confluence of events and factors that they just all aligned at the same time between feeling like I was waiting for a person like this to run for president. You know, I wanted the SOB. I, wa I wanted the abrasive guy who wasn't who wasn't going to back down. Right. And then around others who were very, very anti-Democrat felt like these were these were dangerous people in a dangerous party. Mm -hmm. And I, succumb I succumbed to these mythologies, you know, and I fell mm -hmm. prey to them pretty quickly. And I, I really mentioned this, Gina, because I want my story to be instructional for other people, which is that it's a lot easier than the general public realizes to get swept up into these right-wing MAGA traumatic mythologies. And I did. And as I did and, and got deeper and deeper and deeper into the campaign, I wasn't one of these guys who was waving a flag on a boat or at a street corner I wrote part of the call script for the Trump campaign pro bono. So I was doing volunteer work that normally people would be paid for. I was doing volunteer phone calls, having wow. sent money, uh, 
showing people where their polling places were. When 2016, when the election happened, mm-hmm. and I think it's fair to say, and not an exaggeration, the entire world was against the Trump campaign. And by that point, we felt like, well, the world was against the Trump campaign. They were really against us. So on election night, they're really dual emotions, distress, those who were distraught on the Hillary side. And then our side, we felt validated. You know, we felt vindicated and we felt like true history, unprecedented history had been made. And what's actually very sad about the Trump victory is that if you look at it historically, it actually was unprecedented history because no one had ever been elected without military or government experience. So he was really the first true civilian president. So we felt vindicated that night. We felt like all of our hard work, we finally got someone in who was going to recognize us and see us and hear us. Mm -hmm. And then as the presidency started, Gina, I I will say to you that I, I became truly a MAGA activist. I was writing for, for right wing sites. I was an aspiring pundit. I produced the professionally, uh, a professionally produced podcast. I was at Trump clubs. I was sponsors of Trump clubs. I was involved wow. with the local Republican Party. And I actually, even though I was voting Republican, I actually didn't even consider myself a Republican or a conservative. I viewed myself as a Trump nationalist. That's what I called myself. I said, yes, this wow. guy is a president about America first, not the world first, not a European country first, et cetera, et cetera, America first. And, it, and just like in the lead up to the election, I was around all the time, MAGA voters. They were essentially a second family for me. And the more I was around them, I became more and more convinced that this was a this was a battle that we were in a good versus evil battle. I was on the right side. I was on the I was on the side of good. Excuse me, the real Americans and everybody against us, whether they were Democrats or Republicans in name only or globalists, they were against us. So I felt like I was this soldier in this mm-hmm. patriotic war. And now to hear myself talk about it, I, 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 I'm chuckling in my mind about how delusional and absurd it sounds. But I actually viewed the MAGA victory as a second founding of, the, wow. of, of our nation, you know, believing that the founders would have supported Trump over Hillary Clinton. And I didn't look at Matt. I was 39 years old when Trump was elected. So I wasn't looking at Make America Great Again with any nostalgia. Mm-hmm. I was actually looking at it forward facing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was I was doing very well in my business economically. I had just become a parent for the first time. So there were these survivalist instincts. This I looked at MAGA. Actually, it's going to be funny to even hear it. I looked at it actually as a very progressive movement that we were going to progress in the we were going to we were going to establish a, a nation that was America first that was one that we sought to crush our enemies who were on the Democrat side and the enemy side and I was I woke up thinking about MAGA I went through my day thinking about it I went it I went to bed thinking about it I probably dreamt it for all I know and when people hear this they think it sounds like a cult. Right. Now, I, 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 want to, I, I do want to caution. I, I've always felt ambivalence about calling it a cult. And, I'll, and the reason I have is because there's no doubt for me it was a cult-like environment. I mean, there's no, there is no question about it. It was a constant adrenaline rush of fighting this, this battle in my mind against tyranny. Mm-hmm. 
But as part of the leaving MAGA work, which technically we are up and running, but we're just waiting for the IRS and legal blah, blah, blah to get finalized. Uh-huh. I do want to, as you as you said in the outset, thank you. I, I do want us to empower others to leave MAGA, but equally important, the way I think we're going to do this work, it's, the, it's really the lane I've decided to choose is that we have to figure out a way to reconcile the tens of millions of MAGA Americans with their friends and family. We cannot have a functional democracy when tens and tens of millions of people are alienated from their loved ones and their friends. They're estranged mm-hmm. from their parents and their siblings and their and their sons and their daughters and their best right. men and their maidens of honor. There's no way that a functional democracy that we can keep perfecting the experiment of our union and our democracy when that's happening. And that's why there's two points that I always like to mention about MAGA voters, because I was around a lot of them. So I Mm -hmm. I think I've got some credibility to say this, that number one, most MAGA voters deep down are good people. There's a goodness and a decency. I know that the public imagery of, for example, those at the insurrection, we Mm -hmm. saw that violence and that anger. That was that. Now, some of the ones that I spent a lot of time with, congregated with, broke bread with, yes, there was rage. I, I would actually even call it something of a uh, I, I was an English major in college. Henry David Thoreau, the 19th century American author, he, he talked about in his work, Walden, lives of quiet desperation. You know, there mm-hmm. was a quiet political desperation amongst those I knew, but they weren't violent people. Mm-hmm. They were good people. They were decent people. We went to events together. We were invited to birthday parties. And for those out there who are going to see this and listen, and they're going to think, well, my my brother, I haven't talked to him in four years. My, my mother watches Fox News all day. She, Think about the relationships before 2015 and 16, close relationships, loving relationships, whether they were friends or family. So this reconciliation has to happen. And I I think that I'm uniquely positioned to be able to lead some of these reconciliations, because when I decided in the summer of 2022 to publicly state I was wrong to support Trump and MAGA and Ron DeSantis because I'm a Florida resident. When I went and wrote these mea culpas, I was in Newsweek, New Republic, Salon, God's Honest Truth. I wrote them with the hope that people would see it, but I didn't think anybody would care. I truly didn't think anyone would care. I figured maybe a few people say, oh, that's nice. What's for dinner? Mm -hmm. I I was very, very wrong about that. And I am very thankful that I was wrong about that because I'm coming from a world where I know that MAGA voters are good deep down. And as some of what I alluded to at the outset, there were some valid reasons for supporting mm-hmm. the Trump campaign. I, I don't believe any longer that those reasons that I had and that others have, I don't believe that they're applicable any longer. Yeah. Well, and so my, there my, was. I mean, people were angry at the establishment, yeah, especially coming yeah. off the 2008 recession yep. and how people felt like the banks were bailed out the American public was not. We were kind of left to twist in the wind. Not kind of. We were. You right. know, millions of people lost their homes while the banks, you know, walked away. All their CEOs walked away with golden parachutes. So, yeah, there was a lot of anger. And, and to put a, an establishment candidate who represented all of that, like Clinton, up, I can absolutely see why any populist presidential candidate would have done well against her. She was absolutely the wrong candidate, wrong type of candidate. 
So I totally get that. Now with, with you, so you voted for Trump in 2016. Did you vote for him in 2020? Yes, I was, uh, okay. e even, though I, even though I knew that he was handling COVID very poorly, uh, I saw Biden as really the same as Hillary, another one who, who posed an existential threat to the country. We needed to do essentially anything in our means, legally and ethically, I never did anything illegal or unethical. I know that others did. I never partook in that kind of activity, but uh -huh. I did a lot of the work still needed between speaking at Trump groups, sponsoring them, doing the volunteer work of, of, um, of uh, helping uh, people find their polling places, making the volunteer calls, receiving the volunteer calls, sending money that I wish I had back now uh, for, mm -hmm. for the Trump case. I, I, I had every imaginable Trump hat you could think of. You know, I had, <laughs> I, I had, I had all of them. When I would go to Trump groups, I'd be in a suit with a hat, just like he does right now. That's, I was a true, mm -hmm. true believer. You know, I was a true believer. And if anybody feels that the, the opposition is this, I always say this existential threat, that if anyone anyone who believes that about the opposition will support anyone or anything they think can serve as a as a bulwark to thwart and stymie the the encroaching enemy and that's why with yeah. everything trump said as a candidate and then in his presidency whether it was about john mccain which in hindsight is the moment i should have run away from the trump campaign when he said what he said about i like mm -hmm. war heroes who aren't captured the attacks on Gold Star families, the, the comments about women, the comments about Muslims, and then as president with Charlottesville. I mean, there is such a laundry list of everything. And privately, I would talk to MAGA voters, and we didn't actually like a lot of what he said. However, publicly, mm -hmm. if you were in MAGA and you spoke out critically of Trump, it didn't it didn't matter, you know, how much you, you could have been a you could have sent a million dollars to the campaign, speak out publicly and criticize him. You're, you, you become a heretic. Yeah. Now you're an apostate. You're exiled out of the group. So that's right. why we kept our discussions private. But I never, mm -hmm. I didn't really waver in, in the importance of getting Trump elected. And so, no, let me ask you. So the 2020 election happens. You're devastated that he didn't win. I, I was. And I, I didn't believe, I did not believe the election was stolen. In fact, in the lead up to the election, I remember, I distinctly recall telling MAGA voters, yes, I think we'll win. However, don't be shocked if Biden wins. And mm -hmm. I, I, I was not a believer in the stolen election. I don't, I didn't believe it then. I don't believe it now. Mm -hmm. I was really distraught over the loss, but I wasn't surprised and shocked by it. Well, you just explained how Biden won. I mean, that that's the funny thing is a lot of MAGA people, I have a lot in my family, and I'll hear them say, well, I just don't believe Biden won because, you know, he didn't have big rallies. People don't show up for him. People aren't excited about him. But like you said, when you see the other side as an existential threat, you will vote for anyone. And that's, that's what right. I have told my family. I'm not a huge Biden supporter. I, he's way too centrist for my taste. I'm a massive progressive. And so, and I'm like you, I want to get rid of the establishment and stop all the corruption. Um, so, but I will crawl over broken glass to cast a vote for anyone <laughs> if it will keep Trump out of the White House. Biden, I, whoever, <laughs> whomever right. it is, I, I will swim shark infested waters 
to cast a vote for them to keep him from getting back in that White House. So, yeah. That's how we spoke, actually. In those uh terms that you're saying, that's how that's how we spoke in MAGA, which was I remember telling fellow MAGA, uh, my 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 uh, my cohort of MAGA voters, I said, the Democrats will jump out of an airplane without a parachute if it meant Trump not getting into office, Mm -hmm. you know, walk barefoot on hot coals, you name it, you name the the, the torture and the punishment, the Democrats and the Mitt Romney Republicans will do that. So we knew we knew that we were we were going to be up against uh, that that formidable hate for the Trump campaign and for he himself. And not for the reasons most think. I, you know, I see a lot of and hear a lot of MAGA voters saying, oh, well, people are just against him because he wants to take down the establishment. He wants to get rid of the deep state, blah, blah. I would be all for that if, right. if that's what he right. truly represented, if that's who he really was, I would get behind him. <laughs> you know, I mean, I probably couldn't with all the other stuff that he's done and said and, you know, raping a woman and, and you know, taking children away from their parents and all the horrific, horrific things that he's done. But that would be incredible as a candidate. I mean, that's why I was a Bernie supporter, mm-hmm. you know. And I and I knew Bernie voters who supported Trump. Yeah, they were I do, too. So I know some who crossed over because they felt like, yeah, the establishment squashed bernie and and refused to allow him to to win you know as he should have um and and just undermined his campaign at, twice really <laughs> you know uh so yeah i do know people who crossed over i know a lot of other people who just sat home you know my husband was one of them he said if you know if it was bernie against Biden or against trump i would have voted for for bernie but because it was Clinton, he didn't vote at all in 2016. Yeah. So, and I, I and I and I think that was a sentiment that a lot more people ex- didn't expect to have happen. And that's and and of course it didn't help. Looking back on this, yes, I admit now that if I could go back in time, I would vote for Hillary, and I would have voted for Biden. And I'm not a Democrat right now. I'm not registered with any party. Mm-hmm. But in, if I could go back in time, yes, if, if for no other reason with, with Hillary Clinton, whatever her flaws, uh, she right. without a doubt would have handled COVID far better than yeah. Trump did. I, I bit so, the bullet and I did cast a vote for her. But, you know, I'd like was, to go back if I could. was was not happy with the way she talks about, you know, Bernie supporters since then. <laughs> the way the, the Democratic Party talks about us as if we were, you know, the the reason for her loss. I mean, they can never look in the mirror and take any responsibility so well i appreciate what you said a few minutes ago about it's i know that it's really difficult for those with anti-maga feelings i have anti-maga feelings in fact maybe to some extent my anti-maga feelings may be even stronger than those who never supported trump Mm -hmm. so i know that it's it's difficult for those out there when i ask them i said the first step with with the entire leaving maga process is you have to find some you have to find some relatability it could be personal. It could be political. Mm-hmm. If an, if a pro-Trump person and an anti-Trump person talk long enough, I guarantee that they will find something they agree on. Now, oh, that's your relatability, right? There's the relatability. And and when we if when we reach that, really the 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 second step is that we want to humanize the Trump voter. I 
we we want to we the rhetoric about Trump voters being racist and Nazis and bigots and homophobes. When I see this on social media, people write to me. I write back and say, I want you to know you're not making my job any easier. You're you're actually making this harder because every time you say something about a Trump voter or Trump himself, you are strengthening that already strong bond between Trump mm-hmm. and his supporters. And I and I know yeah. I know in the here and now, those who are saying that probably aren't thinking that. And when I bring it up to them, they're actually very honest and say, you know, I never really actually thought about that. It's true. They're probably well, true. Because when we were it. attacked, when yeah. we were attacked, it was like when Trump was attacked, it was like we were attacked. Oh, the, yeah. the press attacked him. Mitt Romney attacked him. Hillary Clinton, Paul Ryan attacks on him were attacks on us. That's how we that was the relationship we had with Trump as his supporters. Yeah, I kind of look at it or liken it to and this might sound a little condescending, but it's kind of what it is like when you have a teenager who's, you know, wants to go out with the bad boy and you're like, no, I've seen his kind before. He's not good for you. He's a cheater. He's this. He's that. And what is, what do you, you know, you're pushing her closer to him. She's oh, you don't know him the way I do. And, you know, he's not going to do that to me and I'm different. And you're, you know, we're in love. <laughs> so that teenager is just going to be even more interested in that kid. That's right. So that's right. Yeah. That's the exact, that's the exact effect because after the relatability and after the humanizing of the Trump voter, the next part of this is where I think a lot of well-meaning and well-intended people, they, they come in, but they come in with policy questions and policy statements. And that doesn't work because there's there's not most people don't think about politics in, in, in a policy sense. I, I know for those who consume a lot of like I consume a lot of news every day. I'm very in, in tune, attuned to what's going on politically. But I also know that the general electorate doesn't really look at politics from a policy point of view. Right. So when when we come in for that third part after after relatability and humanization, there there needs to be a question of to each other, how do we reconcile our relationship? Maybe we have I just spoke to someone the other day and she was telling me that her father was who passed away was this hardcore Trump voter and they had a falling out before he died. And mm-hmm. when she wrote to me, she said after hearing you, I feel more at peace right now. I know that my father deep down was a good man who was complicated. And this is someone I didn't know, Gina. I, you know, this isn't someone I've known for 20, 30 years who wrote this. This is someone who heard me on a, on a Twitter spaces or right. read an article. And because I didn't think anyone would care, and now here I am speaking to you, talking about helping people leave MAGA, Mm-hmm. This is the uh, this is the unlikeliest of places because when I when I wrote these mea culpas, I wrote in all of them that it was in really the summer of 2021 when I dis- when when I call my year of heaven and hell commenced because it took me an entire year to to leave MAGA because in the summer of 21, this is six months after the insurrection, mm-hmm. I was in the I was in the well it wasn't good but what's the big deal camp and it was actually Ron DeSantis. Who was the catalyst for me? Because That's, I that thought that was going to be my next question. What yeah, was I, that I, breaking point for you? It was. It was if initially the catalyst was Ron DeSantis, and and it was related to his flip flop on the COVID vaccine. I thought, in fairness, he handled the first year and a half of the pandemic as well as he could have. I, I thought that you, there's a very famous photo of him wheeling a senior citizen to get their vaccine, and I remember thinking, 
This is this is leadership. In addition to not believing the stolen election, I never thought COVID was a, a bioweapon by the Democrats to prevent us from winning. I never thought the COVID vaccine was gonna was gonna turn us into a three-eyed cyclops. You know, no no offense to any three-eyed cyclops listening. I never <laughs> believed that. Right. And so and I so so I, I remember when DeSantis was very pro-vaccine, very pro-public health measures. He he kept the state open, but he strategically closed certain areas. I thought, yes, this is what a leader's doing. And when mm -hmm. Delta came in in the summer of 21, by that point, I'd become a parent for the second time. And all the anti-vaccine hysteria had permeated itself all across MAGA on the right wing. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, Ron DeSantis is not going to, He's not going to he's not going to appeal to these people. He's going to sever himself from this. He's going to divorce himself from all the anti-vaccine paranoia. Mm -hmm. And he did the exact opposite. It was seemingly overnight where he didn't just come out and say, I'm against mandates, but get the vaccine. I don't agree with that position. However, it would have been a little more defensible. He didn't mm -hmm. do that. He came out and said exactly it's in the summer of 21 began what how he talks about the vaccine and COVID today. It harms people. It kills people. It doesn't work. And I remember when that happened, it, it was like I ran face first into a brick wall. Mm. Because the first feeling and emotion I had was confusion. I thought, this doesn't make any This is not the same person. What am I missing? Am I not understanding something? And when that happened, it was when the doubts about supporting MAGA and Trump and DeSantis, who is another one I did volunteer work for, making the calls, showing up to the events run. Mm -hmm. Oh, Trump endorsed DeSantis. He's our guy. That was it. Right. That's all we needed. We didn't need to know his background, anything else. Oh, he's our guy. And that was when I started to think, am I, am I, am I wrong to have supported Trump? Am I wrong? I, I mean, I'm confused. I'm, I'm not sure. And then over mm -hmm. the course of a year, which I call the year of heaven and hell, it was myself and my thoughts late at night. And to paraphrase Hemingway, my political and personal epiphany, the, the road to Damascus moment, like in the Bible where the scales fall from Saul's eyes, mm -hmm. it took me an entire year of warring with my, my emotions, spiritually, mentally, morally. And gradually I came to this place where I started to tell myself in my mind, I am, I was wrong. Mm -hmm. I this was this my conscience would not turn off and in the time and it took me to come to this to this place of leaving maga in a year there were two lines of demarcation i came to the first was the acceptance of avoidable deaths and suffering mm -hmm. in particular with covid and the vaccine and in particular with DeSantis. so that was the first line the second was related to january 6th once, and it, and it all coincided, Gina, at the same time in the summer of 21, I started to get curious about some of the forces and the groups and the conspiracies that led to the insurrection. Mm -hmm. I thought the QAnon and the Proud Boys, I knew all about them when I was in Manga. I thought they were just fringe hobbyist groups. Mm -hmm. It turned out once I started to get curious and actually research with credible sources that not only were they not fringe hobbyist groups, they were well-funded, well-coordinated, well-orchestrated, and perhaps worst of all, had the blessing of the most powerful person in the world. And I realized that the entire MAGA movement and the Republican Party, who called the insurrection legitimate political discourse, those were their words, mm 
mm-hmm. I realized that this political party, this movement, this this figure, I supported, and I supported to to a point where it strained my personal and and many professional relationships. Mm-hmm. I thought, wait a minute, this is the, these people are defending and justifying political violence, a coup d'état. Yeah, you know the, the rioters were forty feet away from Mike Pence. And if they got a hold of Mike Pence, they would have murdered him or in, or rendered him incapacitated. And the Constitution has no fail safe. There's no backup. What do we do if the president of the Senate, the VP, isn't there to count the votes? It right. would have been. A, we were 40 feet away from the, the distinct possibility of this experiment actually ending. Yeah. And and when I came to these two lines, I had to make a decision: Do I cross them? And if I cross them, I can't prove this to you, Gina, but I'm telling you, I'm sure of it. If I crossed those lines, I would never have been able to get out of MAGA. Mm-hmm. I would have gotten in much, much deeper. I would have been in much too deep to have left. Yeah. But I decided not to cross those lines. I got to the Rubicons and I said, no, I can't do this anymore. And it was in the summer of 22 mm-hmm. when, I de- when I declared my, my independence from MAGA, my heaven and hell year completed itself. And I emancipated myself from from the trauma and the and the desperation and panic inducing world of MAGA, and I and I finally broke free of the manacles of that world. And since then, have you had issues with friends and family who are still full on MAGA and really, you know, love Trump still? Have you had any backlash from friends, family, business associates? So I'm really glad you mentioned that because it's a great segue into something I want to mention as part of the Weaving MAGA work, especially for those who have friends, family, and still in the thrall of MAGA. I really want to emphasize that I know it can be frustrating. I know that it can constantly be a battle between optimism and cynicism. I go through that battle as well. But I'm imploring everyone, do not give up on your friends and family. Because when I was in MAGA, I just intentionally lost touch with some with some of the most important people in my life they were in they were influences they were mentors to me in college some of them gave me second and third chances when i didn't deserve them and i just lost mm-hmm. touch with them because i knew that they voted democrat and when i left mm-hmm. maga i went to every single one of them and i said i was wrong to have severed ties with you wow. i respect i respect if you don't accept my apology but I need to offer it to you so I can have closure here. And every one of them, Gina, except one, and I'll work on him, I'll get him. But every yeah. one of them, I'll, I'm gonna keep working on it. Every one of them said, yes, Rich, apology accepted. And one in particular, and you know, I, I actually get like a little emotional thinking about this one person because he was such a major influence in my life. And I'm so glad I reconnected with him. He actually said to me, yes, Rich, apology accepted. I always knew you'd come back. Wow. So I, I, I say that as a story for others out there to hear that. And if I was able to leave MAGA, I know that others can. And we just can't give up on mm-hmm. on our loved ones and our friends who are in this world because I, I believe with with love and patience, it's going to be frustrating. You know, mm-hmm. progress is, is always accompanied by struggle. But over time, I, I really do believe, and I don't mean this in a doe-eyed optimistic way, I really do think that there are more out there who have either quietly quit MAGA or are they're in the nascent stages of saying, you know what, I, I have remorse over supporting Trump. 
And it's so important for us to welcome them back into the fold of democracy Mm -hmm. without judgment, without casting aspersions. And, you know, there are there's really two there's I would say three basic types of comments I receive. Most of them are supportive and they say, Rich, thanks for doing this. How did you get out? There are some who are MAGA voters who say, you know, BS, you never were actually in MAGA. You weren't Trump voters. Um, you know, Google, Google.com. I, I left mm-hmm. most of my works out there in the public realm because yeah. I want to own them. You know, I want to own them. And then there are the occasional, I, they're anti-Trump. I don't want to assume they're Democrats, but they're anti-Trump. And they say to me, and they, these are, these, this is rare, but it does occur once in a while. Mm-hmm. You know, Rich, you supported him twice. It took you all. It took you all the way until 2022 to leave. We don't really care what you have to say. Those happen also. And when I get those kind of comments, Gina, I say to those individuals, "I'm sorry to hear that. You know, I am. I'm. I'm. I'm genuinely sorry to hear that. I can't change my past. All I can do is try to make amends for the future. Right. Uh, I always joke. I'm. Uh, my wife hates this joke. I'm. I always say I'm an excommunicated Catholic. But <laughs> there are. There are two. There are two. Uh, really valuable pieces of instruction in, in the Bible. One is the book of Isaiah, which instructs us to bring good news to the afflicted. Mm-hmm. And then there's another in the book of Romans to be patient in affliction. Mm-hmm. And I, be- in MAGA, I became what it was that I thought I was fighting. You know, my, my wife, she's, she's, she won't give me the evil Wi-Fi on this because I've said it before. My wife told me when I came out of MAGA, so she's naturalized. 2016 was the first time she could vote. Mm-hmm. She actually wanted to vote. She actually wanted to vote for Hillary, but she told in Biden and she told me, I actually wanted to vote for Hillary and Biden, but I voted for Trump to support you. And that wow. says so much about that says so much about my wife. I always say I'm married up. And I it, 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 <laughs> now it, I did it, the it, opposite. I told my husband because he's he was a lifelong Republican <laughs> or at least registered as a Republican and his family's uber conservative and i told him in 2016 if you vote for trump i will divorce you and i that was not a joke that was not a joke if he had voted for trump i would have divorced him so he can stay home i mean we're in california so sitting it out Uh doesn't really matter you know doesn't count but yeah if he had if he had pulled that lever you know cast that ballot for (laughs) for trump no i I couldn't do it well thankfully you're still together and yeah. right. And and from my wife, I, I realized I became the tyrant. I was I became a tyrant in my own home. That's what mm. that's what Ma, that's what MAGA did to me. And I had to go through a process of forgiving myself. Because I can't ask others to reconcile if I have not forgiven myself. I don't want to be a hypocrite on that. And yeah. even though I'm not a registered Democrat, as we come into November, uh, I don't say this self-aggrandizingly. I've got a really good track record of accurate prognostications. I remember saying in the public radio station that Trump would be the nominee and would win the general. Uh, and you know, most people thought, well, that's not going to happen. And I said, you're going to watch and see; it's going to happen. And I and I based yeah. that on a variety of reasons. And I want to say, and I and I said the Dems would do very well in the midterms. And going back to 2020, I said, don't be shocked if Biden wins. So I, I had a pretty good track record. Mm-hmm. My prognostication for November, and no one should construe this remark as a reason not to vote. So Gina's husband, hear me <laughs> out. I, I, I believe what is imminent is going to be an historic electoral repudiation of the Republican Party. In fact, I think it's going to be such a, re- such a renunciation 
that I mm -hmm. think it's going to be, I think it's going to be comparably shocking to Trump winning in 16. And I think the Republican mm -hmm. party knows that. And, and I, and again, mm -hmm. I don't say this because I want a one party system, but this Republican party, I'm not saying this about most Republicans are good people, but when you look at the party, Mm -hmm. This party cannot be it cannot be saved and salvaged. It yeah. just simply cannot no, be. It must be ele it must be electorally mercy killed. And and if yeah. that were to happen now, responsible Republicans, they need to they need to seize that opportunity because I wish that this weren't true. But MAGA is going to be with us for many, many election cycles. And that's why the work of leaving MAGA, I don't I don't see it as the one or two cycle uh, uh, I don't see it as a one or two cycle endeavor. I see it as mm. long term, long term work because oh, it's going to take it's going to take so it's going to take a while. And I tell everyone, just be patient because it's not going to, you know, for me, it wasn't like, oh, Ron DeSantis flip flop. I'm out. No, right. I had invested myself every 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 imaginable way I could have invested myself in Trump and MAGA. Mm. I did. And then it was like, I am I wrong about this? Because if yeah. I'm going to be wrong to your your point earlier i knew that when i decided to leave that entire network that second family i was not going to be with them anymore yeah and i and i and i haven't been i know i do know others uh, who are still devout maga mm -hmm. and and eventually i i want to look to find a way to not to change their mind not to persuade them but but empowerment is really the way to go because no one can save another person. I'm not talking about matters of faith. If somebody wants to to leave a world like that, that that world of trauma and desperation and panic, the person has to want to do it. Right. Yeah, it's they like a drug addiction or That's alcohol exactly right. or exactly no. right. Yeah. They have to want to do it. And if they decide and they because I want people to tell their stories publicly, the real strength of leaving MAGA. It's not going to be I, Rich Logis. It's going to be others who say, yes, I supported Trump. I felt like I was doing it for the right reasons, but I was wrong. And when mm -hmm. people see more and more people doing that, that's when I think we'll start to create a different kind of culture and normalization where we can say it's actually OK to change our minds. And I think that may be why why people are very fascinated by this story of mine, not because of, of I, Rich Logis, but because it's really not a natural act for our right. species to to apologize and to say we're wrong. You know, and me, I'm thinking like, OK, I'm going to publish Newsweek in these places because I want I, I did it in front of millions of people thinking no one would really give a damn. And mm. they did. And so I, I want there to I, I want to help to establish more of a normalization where we say, yeah, I was wrong. I made a mistake. Yeah. I, I have some remorse. And that will make us actually all of us more invested in our democracy. Mm -hmm. And if we're more invested in our democracy, now we're actually we're actually building on the ideals of our founding because our founding was complicated, wasn't all good, all bad. And the founders were not all good or bad. However, they did set into they, they constructed this nation as a nation of self-government. Mm -hmm. And to me, a second Trump presidency, and I say this with, without any hyperbolization at all. I do think that a second Trump presidency will irreparably damage our democracy yeah. because I saw up close and personal what MAGA does to other people. And again, just like in my case, I take responsibility. People are responsible, Gina, for their their rhetoric and their decisions. But we mm -hmm. also have to acknowledge in this that people are susceptible to being influenced. Yeah. 
you know, and the right wing and NAGA prey upon some of the natural fears we have about change, about getting older, about about seeing a country that is diversified. I don't think someone who's who who has anxiety about diversification. I don't think necessarily that person is is a is a dislikes and hates other races other than than the white race. I think There's so. Some. That, what no, there are. <laughs> you have to, you have to admit are. there are some. I even have I, them in my family. <laughs> I actually I actually just wrote an article uh, which people can find at my site. I'll give it at the end. I I just wrote an article in Salon about Nikki Haley and the Civil War, and I and I said that for. For those comments that she made, she is trying to tiptoe around the white fright that exists within MAGA. And there's no That's question. That's what I call it too, white fright. It's, it, it's white fright. <laughs> and there's no doubt that it's there. And there's no doubt that some have these actual, actual true anti-black, anti, anti-immigrant, mm-hmm. anti-religious minority feelings. And, yeah. and whether, whether the right wing in MAGA want to admit this or not, the Republican Party, those individuals tend to gravitate toward the Republican Party. Yeah, I mean, so look at Charlottesville. And, and we, we looked the other way. I remember talking privately about that event, and I remember t- talking with other MAGA voters saying, this is awful. You know, he needs Trump. Mm-hmm. He needs to get in front of this. And the very fine people, we knew, what he, we knew what he meant. But he was our guy. He was our general in this war, in this, this spiritual, political, moral, existential war. Mm-hmm. And we didn't we didn't speak out we didn't speak out publicly. And yeah. now I'm in a, now I'm in a situation where sometimes people ask me, you know, do you do you hate Trump? And I say I, I don't have hate in my heart. I cannot have hate in my heart and go and ask people to reconcile. But I will say this: that I will follow Donald Trump to the gates of hell to ensure that he is not the president. Because I have seen up close and personal to myself and to others, and I'm not a victim. I'm accountable for my actions. But I know what MAGA and the right wing and Trumpism have done to people. They have made people into someone they are not. Yeah. And if they got into it, Gina, I know that we can get them out of it. So that's yeah. really the work that I want to devote myself and, and our team to. You know, you giving me the opportunity to to have a conversation with your listeners and those who are those who are out there who trust your credibility and trust your judgment. You know, it means a lot to me to have such a diverse assortment of thinkers and activists and content creators who are out there saying, I want to know more about this. Why, why did you get into this? Why'd you leave? And I, I know that there is, I, I have hope. I have optimism. I'm not going to sugarcoat how hard it is to leave MAGA because it really is difficult, but it is, it's so liberating. It's difficult to explain. It's not explicable. It's more experiential. And MAGA does, I know for a lot of MAGA voters, they feel like, yes, my life was better under Trump. But if you're a person who feels like Democrats are coming for your guns and they're trying to replace white people and <laughs> Joe Biden is a, is a, is a secret agent of, of China and law enforcement is weaponized against Republicans and the media is, is conspiring and colluding with the Democrats against conservatives and Trump voters, if someone is living that reality, which to some extent most MAGA voters are, I I don't, I don't see how that's a happy and healthy life. So they're, they've been, they've been convinced into believing that that somehow is a, is a, is a healthy worldview. But in reality, it's not because it's just this constant, there's this constant steady diet of of trauma and conspiracies and Mm -hmm. just this desperation and panic that never ever goes away yeah. within MAGA and the right wing. And yeah, that's I why lived I call it. Fox Fear News Network. Uh, f- I mean, Fox is, I mean, that's uh, what know, they're good I, at. 
I mean, they're, they're, Rupert Murdoch and Roger Ailes have politically traumatized more people in the history of America than any other media company and figures, Absolutely. maybe even in world, maybe even in world history, they have done more to traumatize people, mm -hmm. especially senior citizens who again have natural concerns about retirement, costs of living, remaining healthy. All Fox news does all they do is exploit that. That's all that they do. Ailes and Murdoch, you know, that's, it's all Rush Limbaugh. And right now, when we look at the, the, who, who are really the, the, the creators of the MAGA right-wing product, we've got the faces of the salespeople, the Tucker Carlson's, the Alex Jones's, the Steve Bannon's. Of course, Donald Trump is the best salesperson of all this. But the ones who primarily create the product, these are the ones who are shaping gerrymandered legislatures and getting right-wing activists, judges, and Supreme Court justices on benches, mm -hmm. right, ranging from the Federalist Society, the Heritage Foundation, to uh, the Council of National Policy to uh, Moms for Liberty to the right. Leadership Institute. Most people don't know who these groups are yet. They are the ones shaping what affects our lives, both in our homes and in our businesses and locally. And so they need that's that's why people ask. I don't understand how these evangelicals and I don't understand how these conservatives can support Trump because he sells the product better than anybody ever did on the right wing. Yeah, that's why it's it's not it's it's. There's the old saying, uh, how do you say, Occam's razor, Occam's razor? Occam's razor. Most, mm -hmm. Occam's razor, right? The yeah. most the most uh, logical conclusion is, is probably the correct one. That's right. what it is with Trump. He's never had an original idea in his life ever, but yeah. he knows how to get people latched onto believing these myths. And he knows that the stronger those beliefs, the more that they will, that the, the bond will be close to unbreakable because Trump himself is in the final stage of what we would call cult leadership, which is martyrdom. Yeah. And I want to not, again, not to try to persuade on policy or I don't understand. Don't you see it's a cult? I don't understand how you still could support this guy. Every one of those comments, yeah. all it does is push everyone even closer to Trump. And I keep saying to everyone that if, if vilifying Trump voters actually help them leave MAGA, no one would be MAGA. There have been right. billions of words penned and spoken about how you know Trump and Trump voters are the devil incarnate. Well, if that actually worked, there would be no MAGA. I wouldn't have to do leaving yeah. MAGA. Everyone would have left already. Yeah. No, I agree. And and you have to give someone a viable alternative. You know, I mean, if you're asking someone to give up their entire friends group, their, you know, their whole social life, essentially, because that's, I think, what it is for a lot of people. It, yeah. You know, it's like a giant party, and it's this club, and you're part of it, and you're the ones that understand him, and you're in the know, and, you know, you get it, and nobody else does. And, you know, I think that's how the whole Q thing became so popular. It's like, oh, you know, we know this secret that you don't know. Yes. You know, there's something going on and we, we're the smart ones who figured it out. And you guys are just the sheep <laughs> who are going along with George Soros, <laughs> you know. That's that's exactly what we when in MAGA. We looked at the outside world and thought, well, they think we're crazy. We think they're the crazies. Mm -hmm. That's how we that is exactly how we we looked at this. And yeah. looking back on it, I sincerely believed everything that I believed. And when I came out of MAGA, Gina, I came to realize that essentially every right-wing MAGA mythology that I believed mm -hmm. is actually pretty much the opposite in truth. Yeah. 
you know, and, and you name it. I mean, anything that ranges from law enforcement being weaponized to the press to Democrats coming for our guns to to Nancy yeah. Pelosi, right? I, like all of everything about that, essentially any issue you would think of, I would say, yes, I believe that at the time. And then I realized actually that's not true because mm. one of the key strategies, it sounds it sounds so simple, but one of the most important strategies that I implemented in leaving MAGA was I diversified my news and information sources. Yeah. Because when you're in MAGA, any information that 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 is allowed into the group that mm-hmm. refutes or challenges or rebuts any of our sincerely held beliefs, that is essentially enemy propaganda. That's yeah. that's the that's the Democrat Rhino Pravda. That's that version of it. So we we kept that information out. So my in the insular group the information mm-hmm. silo is also insulated from anything that doesn't confirm uh, all of the beliefs that we have because we were right. We were on the right side. We were the mm-hmm. real Americans and everybody else. They were on the wrong side. Yeah. And they were the ones who they were the ones who were attacking us and attacking Trump. And we weren't going to have that. That's why we talk the way that we did and the rhetoric that we did. So, yes, I have remorse over that. And I was yeah. wrong and I was wrong pretty much about all of it. So I, I did contribute to a lot of our ills. Yes, I'm only one man, one vote, one person, but I don't look at it that way. I contributed right. to some of our ills, and now I want to contribute to some of the solutions. Well, it starts with one, and that's why I wanted to invite you on the show. You know, I, I'm sure you know I've had Pam Hemphill on, who is a January 6th participant, and she has broken free from, you know, the rabbit hole and realized that she was wrong and she's trying to make a difference. And I think the more that we highlight stories like this and show that, yeah, you can come out of this. And if you're willing to open your mind, look at the information presented, you know, try to at least imagine that another point of view might have some merit, open up your mind just that much to look at, at the other side and see what's being said and, you know, maybe find some, <laughs> find some merit in it. There is an alternative. You're not going to be shunned. You're not going to, you know, there are those people, right. like you were saying, you get the comments every once in a while. I see in my comment section when I had Pam on, I've had her on twice now, you know, for the most part, everyone is very complimentary, very supportive of her and the change that she's made and what she's trying to do. But there are, you know, a few people who, oh, you know, you were this and you were that, and I'm never going to forgive you. You know, I guess those are the perfect people in the world who've never made a mistake and done anything that they are ashamed of or regret. (laughs) And good for them. You know, the rest of us are human. Good for them. Right. Good for them. (laughs) I'd like, I trade lives because that's the life I'd like to have. Sure. And so, but, you know, and I I try to point out to some of those people, I don't take issue with all of them because I'd be there all day, but yeah, I try to explain to some of them, look, if, if someone who's deep in the MAGA world knows that by walking away and giving up their entire social structure, they're going to have nothing. They're going to be left alone. The left isn't going to want them. MAGA isn't going to want them anymore. They're going to be completely shunned by everyone. Why would they ever do it? What What's the incentive? You and know, that that's a that is that is a, a really important point because it was one that weighed very heavily on on my decision because I knew that if I do this, if I 
if I, and I got to a point where I said, yes, I, I need to, I need to leave. And then you start thinking about what that actually means. Mm. And I knew that, and I knew that my, my community of many, many years, and these were people who validated what I had to say. They, they supported what I said. They, they would, they would, they were my, my readers of my work. They were my listeners of my work. And when I would go to events, they want me to speak. They said, Grits, give a few words. There's a community in MAGA. And we, we seek that as humans. Mm-hmm. We, want, we want to be a part of something. We want to be a part of a community. And, and it's not that I want to encourage severing ties. But for those who are in that point where they start to think about leaving MAGA, it's an understandable concern and fear that they'll have, well, I'm not going to have my my network anymore. But I want to ask them to think about it a little differently, though. Maybe that is true. And in most cases, it will be. But think about the people you're going to reconcile with. Think about getting back to a more harmonious and loving relationship with mm-hmm. your friends, family, your mom, dad, siblings, brothers, your 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 grandsons, your nieces, your you know, any fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. And, and that that re- when that reconciliation happens, I believe that for most, they're going to find that the relationship is going to be even more loving and enriching than before MAGA. I, 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 and for me, that was the case. You know, for me, that was the case because when I got my, when I finally got my mind and my, and my soul and my spirit right leaving there, it, it made me overall a better person and it made me a better husband and a better brother. And uh, I think a better friend to others because coming out of it, I realized what I had lost. And thankfully, I was able I was able to regain it. So for those out there who are thinking, you know, this guy, what he's saying, I, I kind of feel like I'm there. Like I feel like I'm ready to leave, but I am afraid of losing my network. Hey, that's a totally understandable concern. Yeah. But think about what happens when you leave, though. When you leave, when you leave MAGA, it isn't about. It's, it's, it's not about hating the people you were around, but it is about rekindling and, and, and resurrecting the relationships that you had before Trump and MAGA. And that to me, I mean, there's lots of reasons that are worth leaving. That perhaps is as valuable a reason as any. Yeah. And, and I have to say, I admire you. I respect you so much because it takes so much courage. This is what I don't, I think people don't understand it's easy to dig your heels in and never admit to being wrong. That's what Trump does, right? Never admits he's wrong. Yeah, exactly. It's it's so easy to just stay in the place you are and just, you know, fold your arms like a, a toddler and say, No, I'm I'm right and I'm never gonna, you know, see things your way and your poo poo caca head. <laughs> like a, you know, typical child. Yes. Yes. It takes so much courage and and fortitude and it, it it shows just how much ethics you have what a principled person you are to step up and and look at your beliefs really examine them and say is this true like to challenge your what you think you know and really consider that maybe you're wrong it it shows such a strength of someone's character to do that. And so I admire anyone who can do that. And, and, you know, even if they don't come to a different conclusion, 
and in some areas, I mean, and when it comes to MAGA and Trump, I obviously believe, yeah, it's a, it's a something you need to challenge and get to the other side of because you truly in history yes. are not going to be looked on with great favor. Um, but yeah, it, it, it really, it takes a very strong and, and morally sound person to do that. And so, yeah, I, I give you so much credit and I, well, I think you you're just an amazing person for being able to do that. And do I wish you had done it earlier? You know, do I wish you'd never supported him at all? Of course, but you know, you're here, you, you got there, you did it. And so, you know, kudos to you. And I, I appreciate so much what you're doing. Well, it means a lot, thank you. And it especially means a lot because again, I, forgive the repetition, but I just didn't think anyone would actually care. And in the MAGA world, we, we had a rule, which was non-negotiably, we don't apologize for anything. No yeah. exceptions. There is, was not literally a singular exception. And now I, I think if people, what I, what I hope is conveyed in, in just the spirit and the aura of everything that I am so much more at peace having left that world because looking back on it, it wasn't a happy world. Yeah. When you have this feeling of being in a constant war and battle, and sadly, that's where a lot of the, the MAGA voters are right now. Maybe some of them yeah. aren't really cognizant of it. They're, they, they don't realize that. They think, and I understand why they think that their lives are better mm -hmm. being in that world. But in, but in reality, it's going to take a lot of work to get people to leave. It's going to take an immense amount of patience. But mm -hmm. if we if we do this right, and I like to say collaboration, not competition, mm -hmm. I, I I do think it will it will continue to strengthen and continue the perfection of this union and our democracy. For those who want to contact me, uh, I've got I've got my website. It's going to eventually be leaving MAGA, but for now. Anyone who contacts me, I'll make sure they find out first and foremost when we're launched. It'll be soon at Leaving MAGA. They can find me at perfectourunion.us. Okay. Uh, regular, regular spelling on everything. Uh, and it's based on perfectourunion.us. Yes, that's my okay. site. You can contact me there. I've got some of my writings there. Uh, those who are, who are contacting me, they're going to find out about Leaving MAGA as soon as we're up and running. And I, the framework for this work the perfection of our union, it comes from our, the preamble of our constitution. We, the people of the United States, in mm -hmm. order to form a more perfect union, written by Governor Morris, who was ardently anti-slavery, and though his family owned slaves, he himself never owned slaves. Mm -hmm. And I've mentioned a lot today about mythology. Some mythologies are nefarious and pernicious, mm -hmm. and some are inspirational and aspirational. And I think that the preamble, those first words, we, the people in order of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, probably the most aspirational political mythology ever penned by a human being. And so that's been, that's really been the foundation of, of the work, of the work with this, the leaving MAGA is it's, it's sound, it's going to be partly political. Yes, but it's going to have a lot to do with how do we, how do we perfect this experiment in our union, our democracy by reconciling these millions and millions of people who are in MAGA and they are just estranged from their families and their friends. This, that is not a sustainable way of harmoniously living in a, in a constitutional republic representative democracy. I agree. I agree. 
Well, I again, I thank you for what you're doing. I appreciate your time coming on today to tell your story because I really do think that it will help people. I, uh, you know, I told Pam too. I think, like you said, there are people out there who maybe are thinking about it, who are, you know, one foot in, one foot out, hokey pokey right now, and, and maybe, you know, really feeling like they need to to get out, but. You know, they need to see stories like yours and hers and see it's it's okay. The water's warm on this side and it is, you it know, is. it's safe and you can come out and, um, you know, nobody's going to shoot. <laughs> so. And leaving MAGA and leaving, leaving MAGA is really going, I want it to really be a, a safe space for, for those to, to go through this process because mm -hmm. it will be a process. Sometimes it's a step forward, two steps back, uh, yeah. sometimes step forward, five steps back. But it's going to be a place where there is going to be safety. And right. I want as part of it, people will feel even more liberated when they tell their stories publicly. And that's mm -hmm. where and that's where I want to help empower people to get to. Yeah, great. Well, again, thank you so much, Rich. And if there's anything I can do along the way to, you know, help and, you know, once you get things up and running. Um, thank yeah, you. I'm, I'm willing and, and ready. <laughs> so, well, you're doing a lot. You're, you're doing a lot right now. So thank you for everything that you're doing as well. No, oh, thank you. Thank you. I, you know, I slip. I, 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 I generalize sometimes too much, but, you know, then I, I do try to pull know. it we back and let people know there are good Republicans out there still. It's hard to believe sometimes, but they, they really are. Like I said, I have many in my family, people I love with my entire heart and would do anything for. And they voted for Trump, you know, and, and the, as long as they're not racist we're good. You know, I, I can still love them and, and hope that, that someday <laughs> they'll come across your story, watch this video and, and maybe start rethinking their choices. So. Well, I'm, I'm here. I'm here as a resource for anyone out there who, who feels like my story, my experiences, the work we're doing can, can help and benefit. So all they have to do is contact me. This is what I'm doing. It doesn't matter if it's one-on-one, -on -one, onesies and twosies, um, I, I am I am here to help, and that's why I ask everyone, how can I help? So that's what I want to do now. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. And one more time, the website name, just for anybody who missed it. Sure. Uh, you can contact us uh, and let us know uh, if you want us to speak more, our writings, and you'll find out about Leaving MAGA. The site is perfectourunions.us. Okay, perfect. Thank you again so much, Rich. Really My great pleasure. meeting Thank you. you. Same here. Yeah. Same here. Thanks so much. Absolutely. My pleasure.